how do you like saving $75? Well, you're in luck because we're in a giving mood during the best time of the year. NFL playoffs are here and you need to take advantage of our historical success in the postseason. Warren has a lifetime record of 63% in the playoffs over 15 years, including 71% in the Super Bowl. Now is the perfect time to join because Warren's 2021 season has been one for the record books. His computer totals hit 82% this year, winning 23 of 28 bets. Overall, he was 61% on the year and finished the college bowl season with an 8-1 record. Just use code SHARP75 when you sign up. That's Sharp 75, and you'll get $75 off any package, including weekly packages for the postseason. Get on board for the wild card round and the entire playoffs. Don't forget to save $75 today with coupon code SHARP75 at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here, as always, by Rich Rebar. Rich, we did it. Got through the regular season. Playoffs are here. How are we doing today? Doing good, man. Uh, you know, it was a, a nice lighter week for the first time in uh, five months, so we'll take that. Uh, six games, and they only diminish each week, so it's, it's, you know, it's an exciting time. Even with as many rematches, rematches as we have, I think the weekend sets up to be pretty good. Yeah, like lighter load the content wise, but like in terms of sitting in front of a television and watching these games, it actually is somehow going to take longer in the playoffs. Thanks That's to true. Two Saturday games, a whole day on Sunday, and then the Monday night. Um, so as I was like trying to plan out my weekend, I was like, oh, oh, I can do nothing else. Yeah, they really jammed us up on the our DFS players to ruining our perfect three day Saturday slate and three day Sunday slate. Pretty upset by that. Yeah, I mean, I no, we started last week's podcast by saying like week 18 was a mistake, and like outside of you know one game, maybe two, uh, I think we were correct. Uh, and I, I think the, the Monday night playoff game is an absolute mistake. Like, why? I mean, the, the Sunday night Chargers, uh, it did set, it salvaged a lot, it did, it, it did make up for a lot, but uh, yeah, week 18 games, I remember like two, two hours into Sunday, I was like, these games are absolutely horrible. Oh, and, they, you know. <laughs> they completely backloaded it. Like nothing at one o'clock mattered. And it was, it showed. Well, we got the Jaguars lost and that kind of set things in motion. And, you know, we had the, the Steelers work their way in and the Raiders got their way in. Luckily, the 49ers came back from the grave or we would have had three teams, three teams in the playoffs that, that would have lost to the Giants. And I mean, that's <laughs> unacceptable. And I, I the Matt Matthew Stafford did uh, did everyone a favor with that uh, overtime interception. Um, I think it, putting the 49ers in the playoffs was exactly what we needed, especially after uh, like once we got into and, and we'll talk about it. But I, I, we spent a chunk of uh, last week's podcast uh, uh, kind of poo pooing the uh, entire uh, tie situation and how. Uh, that that could have unraveled because there was no way the the Jaguars were beating the Colts, and then uh, they did. So, and, and that that got us to the the very fun uh, Sunday night the game where like that it almost happened. It it did, and you know that game was that game was wild because you know you think about the Chargers too, and to be in that spot, like everything went wrong for them in that game. 
And, you know, obviously they have, you have the self-inflicted fourth down that they went for, but, you know, the open that game, Foster Moreau fumbles at the one yard line instead of it going out of the end zone. Andre Roberts drops a punt uh, before the half. They give up a third and 23 draw the first time that's worked in like maybe 15 years for a first down. Uh, then you have the pass interference uh, kind of the kind of weird call like before the half in the third quarter, the Chargers miss a field goal. Uh, they have an interception uh, and then they still go. You know, Herbert comes back with like these two like insane drives at the end of the game and makes two just incredible throws that that are just unreal, especially the Mike Williams throw like that throw from the QB angle, uh, which we don't get enough of the 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 sky cam from the QB angle, but that throw was absolutely insane. And, and then they, both teams kick a field goal to start overtime too. both teams score. And then you get the the scenario where you have the timeout and like, did, did they, don't they, but like the Raiders weren't kneeling. So like, who cares? Like that was the, the only signal they could have possibly given to Brandon Staley. And the, that was probably the best Twitter experience for a game we had all year. Uh, you know, it's probably the best Twitter experience we had for a football game since the Lamar Jackson. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the collective experience there and yeah. like, uh, talking about this because like this playoff would have been more fun with, with the chargers. Uh, I think we kind of talked about that last week, but they are not in uh, but So we will be talking about uh, the teams that are in and so uh, we'll just start with the Raiders because they are the first game uh, Saturday uh, at four 30 Eastern and they are playing the Bengals. And uh, like you said in, in the intro, like a lot of these um a lot of these games are rematches from uh, the regular season. This one included, uh, and it was like it, it was a while ago when when these teams came. Week eleven, um, it was a 32-13 uh, win by the Bengals, and you know for for all of what the Raiders did coming you know into this game and being able to, it, it, we can like kind of talk about what this offense is because it, it feels like. Derek Carr is like the, I think kind of like the anti Matthew Stafford. Um, if I can put it that way, where he has not been playing well, but then makes a few throws that make you go, okay. While uh, on the other hand, Matthew Stafford playing really well, and then makes a couple throws per game that make you go, what in the world was that? I think Carr is kind of like the, the other way around. He did not play well. Uh, against the Chargers on, on Sunday night, but then made just a, a couple of really good throws that just kind of kept them in the position to win. And uh, I'm not, I think he's going to have to make a, a couple more of those throws more consistently uh, if this is going to be a, a close game with the Bengals. Yeah, you know, uh, I owe the Raiders a little bit of apology. I didn't think they could win a game if it got in the 30s or, or you know, get, get up there and score those points, but they did for the second time, you know, since the their bye week. But they are, you know, objectively one of the worst playoff teams. They have the worst point differential of any playoff team. They are the lowest team in the playoffs that on third down conversion rate and red zone conversion rate. When these teams did play earlier in the season, it was 32 to 13. It was close, though. It was it was 16 to 13 with 11 minutes to go in the game. So the Raiders were hanging around. But historically, this puts them in like a bad spot because teams in the regular season that have lost by 17 or more points since 2008 to non-division opponents uh, have lost 13 straight games, you know, in the playoff rematch. So uh, really tough spot for them. And the Steelers also fall into that bucket uh, 
you know, this week and, you know, maybe later on we'll revisit this if like the Titans play the Chiefs. Uh, but yeah, historically, these teams that have, have gotten kind of blown out by three or more scores in the regular season have not really fared well in the playoff rematches. So not a really objective great spot for the Raiders. I will say, though, if, if the Raiders did win this game, like th- th- I think out of the five of the six games, I wouldn't be surprised if the underdog won. Probably the only surprise I would have this weekend is if the Steelers won. The Raiders would be a little bit lower, but I mean, they're, they're still drawing live here. I mean, this is a, a very young, raw Bengals team, uh, you know, as well. So there's an element here that like maybe they could pull this off. I, I wouldn't pick them by any means, but if the Raiders somehow made this closer, uh, you know, I wouldn't be that shocked. Yeah, it's true. I think the one thing is, you know, the the Bengals are probably going to uh, kind of just sit back and, and play zone a little bit, which, which is what they did. And mm-hmm. Carr just has not been very good against the uh, zone coverage um, this year. And that's kind of what they did in that first uh, meeting, just kind of just sat back, rushed for, played zone. Um, and the uh, Carr didn't play well overall on the season, uh, minus 0.03 uh, EPA. Uh, per dropback against zone coverage as per true media and which ranked uh, 20th uh, among quarterbacks. So, and cars, you know, not really pushing the field, pushing the ball down the field uh, against zone, which is where we kind of, you know, saw some of those, you know, good throws and kind of push it against a man uh, a little bit. And I just don't think the, the Bengals are, are going to give him that opportunity. So we kind of have to see, you know, Carr create some of his own there. And uh, I think that that might be a little tough. And then on the other side, if, if the Raiders are, are going to just like sit in a single high, kind of like they do, they play the the cover three, the cover one, like, like, what are you, what are you going to do against all of these Bengals receivers? And I think that's, I think part of that is, is going to be the key of how much the Bengals are going to be pushing the ball like that. I, I wrote um, uh, for the site, just kind of like 10 non quarterbacks and not the top 10 um, just like 10, non-quarterbacks I found interesting and I kind of cheated and put Zach Taylor as someone who I want to pay attention to for the Bengals because whether you know, the past couple of weeks when the Bengals were you know passing at a high rate we've you know talked about this so often they had that stretch in the season where they were like running the ball heavily on early downs and then they had that two games in week 16 and 17 where they just kind of let burrow go wild and they scored a lot of points the passing game worked really well and i think that the raiders defense even though the secondary is kind of playing well just the structure of that especially with the outside guys you have in in higgins and chase it really sets up for the bengals to take advantage of that and how much they do that uh in this game and how much they let burrow you know sit back and pass um i think that's that's going to be a big piece of what this game looks like yeah it's interesting because the raiders peripherally like they they play the pass well like objectively like when you look at like all 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 the metrics yards per you know allowed per pass attempt uh you know touchdown rate to opposing quarterbacks even how they've defended wide receivers and that happened again on sunday night i mean herbert didn't do anything in that game until the final two drives and when they had the he threw he threw 30 passes in the fourth quarter uh, but the Raiders defense had held the entire game. And it's and when these teams played earlier in the season, that held true as well against the Bengals. You know, you asked about what, what their all these receivers would do. Well, they did nothing in that in that first game. Uh, you know, Jamar Chase, they don't give up big plays, which is basically how Jamar Chase has lived. Like that's Jamar Chase's MO. It's like, you know, he outside of Tyler Lockett, he was the wide receiver too, and like 
you know, downfield, you know, uh, yardage generated. Eight of his touchdowns came on throws over 15 yards or further downfield. And the Raiders just don't give up those plays. I mean, they're third in the NFL in completion rate a lot on those deep throws. They're going to sit back and play zone. This is what they do, man. Like, they're just going to sit back and, and not and make you just bleed them underneath. So I do think this will be a heavy Joe Mixon game. And, and, and we saw, too, the Chargers got away from it. Like, Austin Eckler was eating in early in that game on Sunday night, and they just got scripted out of being able to kind of feed Austin Eckler. Uh, I don't think that will be the case this Sunday. You've got a big home favorite. I think this will be a big time uh, Joe Mixon game. Yeah, and that's going to be interesting because we've seen some big time Joe Mixon games that they kind of turned the Bengals games into closer games than mm-hmm. they should be. Um, so if they do go in, in that situation, then uh, I think this, this could be a much more interesting game than, um, than the, the regular season game was. And what we've seen from the Bengals over the past couple of weeks when like they, they are a team and we'll probably talk about this, like with the 49ers too, like their, their quick game kind of, is so good and Burrow has been so good at getting mm-hmm. the the pass away and especially if they're they're going to be an empty but they you know we've, we've talked about how much they're they're bringing in you know the, the tight ends a little bit having like some more six six and seven man protections on some of these and I think you're going to need that uh, against like when you have guys especially the Raiders they use like that that wide nine really like they're really like one of the few teams in the league that still use um their defensive ends just like so wide and and Max Crosby has been great he I put him on uh my second team uh all pro uh for an edge rusher I think he led the league in pressures and then Ngakwe is still doing a a lot of damage there so I think when you have that and you're going to have that empty protection uh they're going to have that quick game and I think they're that's going to have uh, I think this this might be a uh you know, a Tyler Boyd game too, if, if they uh, are going to continue to, to get that ball out uh, quickly. And that, that's just going to be uh, a, a big back and forth here. But um, it's going to be interesting to see if they use that to slow it down or if they use Mixon. And I just think like we, we have seen the, when the Bengals kind of, you know, curl up a little bit and, and try to establish the run, uh, it, it has hurt them a, a little bit in that, that midseason stretch. So um, yeah, that's going to be, I think, the, the most fascinating thing to watch in this game. Yeah, and they've had spots, too, where we thought objectively they were going to be able to run it well and haven't, you know, late in the season, too. So it's, it could be one of those things where they stick with it and it's not effective. That's when it's been their problem. It's one thing when they're doing it like the first time they played the Raiders and Mixon's ripping runs and you're sticking with the run. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's like games when they played the Chargers, right, or they played the 49ers, like when you're ineffectively keep going back to the run. Uh, and that's what we've seen the Bengals kind of fall into that trap sometimes. Uh, but I mean, you look at those last two games Burrow had where he threw for almost a thousand yards. Uh, I mean, those, but the, the Ravens and Chiefs did the exact thing that we talked about the entire season. Like they, they blitzed Burrow. Like they, 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 they went zero coverage a bunch. They played like, especially the, the third down, the Chiefs gave up to Jamar Chase at the end of that game. Uh, that was really kind of like the the nail in the coffin for them. But the, you know, those two teams blitzed him on 35% of his dropbacks. Like we've talked all season about just not blitzing Joe Burrow, not blitzing him and his splits versus the blitz, uh, which are elite. And then his splits versus the non-blitz, which are still solid, but are more towards league average. Uh, and the Raiders only blitzed him three times and 35 dropbacks when these teams wait. They are not going to blitz. They blitz the lowest rate in the NFL. Yep. Um, it, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be, I think it's going to be one of those games where you, they, they're going to try to, if they can't run the football uh, and they keep trying, it could be a problem because the Raiders just don't give up big plays in the passing game. And that's not to say like Jamar Chase and like the talent here isn't capable of hitting a big play, but that really has been like over the body of work we've had. Like the Raiders are going to make you bleed them like over the middle of the field and with running backs in the passing game. 
Uh, and the Bengals really haven't done a lot of that. I mean, you, he's almost got his target share did kick up towards the end of the year, but like, he's still not like an electric player, right? Like the Raiders would willingly let you throw eight targets to CJ Uzoma this game. Like, please, please do that. Um, and, right. then, and then, and then he's, and then Mixon like, it goes up and down, right? Sometimes he's involved in the pass game and it's when their offense is looking really good. And then sometimes he'll go like two or three games, not even a target. And uh, you know, it's kind of frustrating, but that that's the way the Raiders want to make you beat them though, is throwing underneath in the quick game. So like you said, maybe the signal is out of all these elite receivers that they've got, you know, it, it could be a, a Tyler Boyd game. Yeah. And I think like one of the things we talked about, I think like real early in the season is the Bengals would have like, one or two plays a game that were like super creative. Uh, and it was like, oh, oh, okay, you can build on something here. And then they would kind of like go back to, to the regular offense. And then that kind of picked up throughout the, the regular season. Um, and, and they played, you know, a, a little better, especially, in, you know, those last two games we, we were talking about. So I wonder if they have just kind of a couple more, like, and sometimes those plays were like to, uh, you know, Uzama and uh, springing him down the field. So I wonder if we, we do get maybe like one or two of those plays where, um, you know, Zach Taylor kind of does go into his bag a, a little bit and and we see something, you know, come out that that creates a, an opportunity that you kind of wouldn't have thought of um, early in the game. But uh, I think this is going to be, you know, fun to watch because we kind of just talking about it. I think like the Bengals are, are a team that the the upside is good enough that I think they can, you know, be be making a run here. And, and if they don't kind of hamper themselves. And I, I think that's, you know, probably what this game uh, comes down to because I think the, the Raiders, if it is like kind of a little bit more of a, of a slog fest, I think that's when the Raiders can, can make it a game. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it last week with the chargers and, they, and the chargers gave the Raiders a lot of points. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just hard to see consistently when you look at the back half of the Raiders season, them getting to like the high twenties and, and low thirties, right? Like it, it's just hard to envision them, kind of being able to pace that type of game. I know they did it on Sunday night and made me eat my words, but you know, they're going to need a situation where the Bengals give them and set them up with a lot of scoring opportunities again for that to happen again. Cause this team just, you know, you look at the back half of the season, the teams that they were able to produce a touchdown more per drive. I mean, we're all awful teams, the Panthers, the Texans, Falcons, Jaguars, Giants. That's it. Those are the only teams that had a worse touchdown rate per drive than the Raiders over the back half of the season uh, since their bye week. So uh, what, what will we get? But like, yeah, yeah that, that's the game that they're inviting. Though. Like that's the game they need. They need the slow down game where maybe the, the Bengals hang around at the run inefficiently too long. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it sets up pretty well though. I mean, it's, I think this is a, a solid opener. It reminds me of like when the Bengals and the, the, the Texans would play on Saturday for like three years in a row, uh, you know, earlier in like the two thousands. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely uh, has, has the makings of kind of one of those uh, styles of games. Um, so let's let's move on. I think if we're you know, talking about uh, Slugfest, we've we've seen uh, one from the the Saturday night uh, matchup before, and then uh, we've seen a little more you know high powered uh, in the second, and that's you know when the Patriots play the Bills. Uh, we're going back to Buffalo. Weather uh, again uh, might be uh, might be a thing here. I, I, we're not going to have. Um, I don't think we're going to have a, a three pass attempt uh, kind of, you know, weather game, but uh, I think it, it might be, um, you know, it's something that, that does impact these teams. And it's real interesting to see, you know, where the, the dynamic is here between, you know, what these two teams look like and what this third meeting uh, is going to look like, because, you know, everything we 
we've talked about these these two games uh, very in depth because it's just it's a fascinating matchup. Uh, the first game was the the Patriots running the the three pass attempts, um, and the Bills kind of getting worked on the ground. But if they had like you know made one play on offense, right. we you know it is a completely different game, and that run heavy game plan from the Patriots looks a lot different. And then we saw that in the. Uh, the second meeting um, where Mac Jones did have to throw and he did not look good. Um, and uh, the, the bills were able to, you know, put a couple things together on offense. So where we just sit right now, uh, I, I think this game probably looks a little bit more like uh, the second game uh, than it does the first. Yeah. One of the things I did get right was saying the bills would win out and, and get there. Uh, and then the Patriots were still kind of the team that, was probably getting oversold in the middle of the season. Uh, and we've seen the Patriots now when they face good offenses, they give up points like this, this, the, the defense is good and it's definitely an above average defense, but like they don't hold like their universal ranking as much as I believe the, the bills do like the bills definitely had some schedule influence, you know, production that they allowed this season, but I actually believe in the bills defense a lot more than I do the Patriots defense in holding water. And when they faced, you know, quality opponents, I mean, you look at Patriots, they allowed 27 or more points in three of their final four games. And the only one that didn't was the Jaguars game. When they faced the Cowboys earlier in the year, they gave up 35 points. Uh, you know, when they faced good offenses, good offenses were able to be productive. And that includes the bills, you know, three weeks ago, and they've scored 33 points and didn't even punt. They're the only team that Bill Paltrow ever faced that didn't punt now granted they went for some fourth downs that maybe older school coaches would have punted but uh you know that was kind of like the wake awakening of sean mcdermott right like you know it's kind of like the we've been waiting for him to be more aggressive and we'll see if they do that also the bills have found kind of like this we're not going to call the bills a physical team by any means but they found a way to like incorporate like more balance into their offense between one the rpo game with josh allen and devin singletary and then just two just leaning on on devin singletary and just letting him be the kind of the the feature back um so those two things even if it is cold i think josh allen's legs do provide enough of a wild card to where they can still move the football in this game but we'll be back on the the weather train like you said there's not expect expect to be wins but freezing cold maybe zero degrees obviously buffalo is it would the scenario just favors the patriots right if we get like a weird weather game uh because the, the biggest thing about this game is if the patriots fall behind can they punch back and and if, and if the game script plays out to where the patriots can hang around and just keep running the football uh that's the game that they want to play in this they do not want to just be trailing double digit points like they were in the first uh, second meeting yeah absolutely and i think that that's a big thing there because you I think when you you know we talked so much about uh, Mac Jones this year and just kind of trying to figure out you know what what he was as a talent how the Patriots were were building around him and I think one of the things is like you could blitz Mac Jones and I think he was that's like really where uh, he struggled um but that's not what the Bills do and that didn't really matter in that second meeting uh because against the four man rush uh in that second meeting Mac Jones had negative 0.18 EPA per drop back. He was only 10 of 23. And one of the crazy things was like, they were really trying to push the ball down the field uh, against the four man rush. He had an 11.35 uh, dot, uh, which is kind of like we've talked about Mac Jones. Like he does not push the ball down the field. Like that is not really, you know, where his game has been great this season. Uh, and with that, oh, still only 4.43 yards per attempt. So they were really trying to push the ball down the field, really couldn't connect because again, they don't really have 
uh, that kind of guy who could win down the field right now, at least, you know, and consistently. So I think that's, that's part of it. If you can get that pressure with four too, uh, which, which the bills are going to do, they want to rush forward. That's what they built this entire defense uh, around. And you also like, you can't complete deep passes uh, against the bills. Right. Um, we, we've talked about that uh, quite a bit. Um, I also talked about that in, in the, the non-quarterback piece uh, I put up like this is the best safety duo in the league right now. I think teams were seven for 35 on throws of 20 or more air yards against the bills uh, this season. Like it's just, it's absolutely insane. Um, and they're, they're playing a lot of this, the too high shell, uh, but they're rotating around. They're moving these two safeties around. So like, you're not going to get your explosive plays there. And I'm just not totally sure if in the passing game, uh, if, the Patriots are going to have uh, enough where they're able to, you know, move the ball in that short and intermediate area because, like that, that's been real uh, hit or miss uh, for them. And and again, if if they're not stopping anything uh, and they can't rely on that ground game a little bit, which is so well designed, I think it's been really efficient. Really, no matter who they're putting back there. I mean, we saw Brandon Bolden, uh, <laughs> um, you know, taking carries. So like anyone they're putting back there. So like they need to have this bit of a, a slog fest game. Uh, I think because it's going to be real hard and it it really comes down to whether they can you know slow down Josh Allen like when i was thinking about who i wanted to put for like this non quarterback that's going to matter for the bills like i really wanted to put Devin Singletary and i like looked into it and like as much as they've like relied on him a little bit like still putting up like a negative epa even with like five touchdowns over the past like couple games um so it's still like the down to down consistency isn't completely there um so i think that that's going to be hard so to you know continue if they need to rely on that too so i think if you have the Josh Allen run game a little bit more um that's that's going to be big because part of where the bills have struggled is when they didn't really have a counterpunch when when Josh Allen wasn't working. Um, and in the Matthew Stafford piece I, I wrote last week, I was looking at kind of like the the variables of where quarterbacks have been on the high and on the low. Uh, and like eight of Josh Allen's games had negative EPA per dropback. And like that's insane for a quarterback who like should be that good, has led a team to the playoffs. Um but like the volatility of Josh Allen is very much something um, that, that we could see pop up in this game. And you really never know what kind of Josh Allen you're going to be getting. Yeah. The, the Josh Allen experience. Uh, but I mean, he's such a, a wild card. What do you, you think of the second meeting and basically every big play that the bills had in a big spot, it was him using his mobility yeah. either, you know, on, on a power run or an RPO or creating something out of the pocket. That was like basically all the big plays are him. And that's what you get. I mean, he's, he hasn't been really strong to close the season as a passer, uh, you know, especially the last month. And now we've already seen too uh, some of these weird weather games, like this offense does get kind of bogged down. I mean, uh, you know, we think back to like the Colts in the rain, obviously the wind game and then against the Falcons, you know, two weeks ago um, just didn't play well in those conditions. And, you know, he had the, the comment about, you know, his feet being cold this week and, but they do play it in Wyoming. Like he should be like, <laughs> like this shouldn't be like a, a huge shock. That, that was like, that was, I mean, to, to go back to like when he was drafted, like that was like one of the talking points, right. That he played in Wyoming He's <laughs> yeah. built for this cold weather. Like that's what, and then, um, I, I think I saw a headline of something. It, it might have been from, you know, a little bit ago, but like Stefan Diggs was like, he needs to like take a little bit off of these balls in the cold weather. 
Like it, it, it is not fun catching these. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you saw Diggs in the Falcons game and it was 26 degrees, it was the coldest start that Josh Allen's made. And this is going to be, you know, in the, maybe zero. Uh, J- Stefan Diggs in that Falcons team looked like the coldest human on earth. Like he had the full like skull cat. He looked, you know, he had a, he had a ball in the end zone. Like he, he had a hands catch and it was just like, eh, didn't, he didn't pull it in in the end zone. He just, he looked cold. So I wonder how these guys are going to look, uh, you know, on Saturday night. But I mean, th- that's just really the, the, what's going to happen though in this game is kind of what we talk about. Like what happened, how does the open to this game look? Right. Like that's, that's really yeah. the tried and true. Uh, the bills don't get like a ton of sacks, but like they get a ton of pressure and they rotate yep. a ton of linemen. Uh, like they have a, they have like a deep yeah, that's, line that's, rotation. Yeah. That's how they, they built it. They wanted yep. th- those fresh legs. Yeah. Yep. And, and they, they don't get Like I said, they don't get a ton of sacks, so they get home and that's kind of been the MO for Mac Jones, right? Like when he faces these teams that can pressure him, that that's been kind of the bugaboo, right? Like, uh, you know, I put in the worksheet, he's faced 10 teams, 10 team, uh, seven games against teams in the top 10 and pressure rate. And in those games, uh, 5.3 yards for pass attempt, 48% completion rate under pressure. So that's really kind of the thing. The Patriots just don't want to be in a game where they have to rely on the drop back pass. They need this thing to be kind of, you know, scattershot and ugly, uh, and then pick their spots and, and hitting some plays. Yeah. And I think, yeah, how, how this game turns out in the first, like, after the first quarter, maybe, uh, I will, we'll really see how this game it shapes up. And like, that's, it's going to be, uh, so big. And if, you know, these, the Patriots can keep it on the ground and keep it close, um, that that'll be big. But, um, if, uh, the bills are able to, you know, get out to a lead, I think that that really, uh, really shifts what, what the Patriots can do and what the bills can do uh, on defense. But one other thing well, with the Patriots, I'm going to be very interested to see how they go on defense. Cause when I was, you know, diving into, you know, some of their defensive stuff and I, I was writing about kind of Adrian Wilson's, um, uh, sorry, Adrian Phillips, Adrian Wilson, uh, it's the Cardinals, uh, also was a good safety, safety former safety <laughs> who is now like getting GM, um, GM interviews, but like, it wasn't that long ago he was playing, right? So that's that's why uh, that name uh, is in my head. Um, but uh, Adrian Phillips, who has been you know so good uh, for the Patriots um, this year, after like being like mostly a part-time player in um, oh, with the Chargers, he's come over for the Patriots the, the past couple of years, and and right now he's just playing all over the field, and that's really changed like what they can do um, on the defense. Eighty-two percent of defensive snaps last year. Um, he's playing, you know. Uh, 38% uh, in the box, like 15, like nearly 16% at the line of scrimmage, 13% uh, in the slot, and then another 13% like as a deep safety, he's just moving all over the field. And when Phillips, Devin McCourty, and Kyle Duggar are all on the field at the same time, they did that for uh, almost 500 plays. Um, the Patriots are allowing 4.66 yards per play. Uh, and the only defense like over the full season to allow less than five yards per play was the bills. So like, this is a really good defense when they have like these three safeties on the field who can play a whole bunch of different, uh, the positions. So with the bills, you know, being as, you know, pass heavy as they are, I think that's probably how, how the Patriots come out. And I think that that's going to be a real interesting, um, 
you know, a way we see them try to defend it here. And, and, and if they can slow that down, um, you know, have those lighter bodies uh, on the field, but still be able to defend the run because they do have, you know, guys like Duggar and Phillips are still pretty big guys who can, you know, play downhill against the run. So um, how they come out that way. And, and I think that's going to be a big part of, of how uh, the beginning of this game potentially plays out. Well, I've already jinxed all Bills fans, and I apologize. <laughs> I think if this is this is a scary spot for them uh, in terms of the draw they got plus the weather. But if they win this game uh, in a game where I think people are putting them on up alert, I do think that they represent the AFC. I think that they are better. Than, I think they're a better all around team than the Chiefs. Oh, wow. All right, all right. That's that, that's a take. Here we go. <laughs> watch them. Watch them lose. So I apologize, all Buffalo fans. We'll see. I mean, we, we guaranteed the chargers were going to be in the playoffs last week. Um, what else did we do there? I mean, there was no way, uh, Jacksonville was winning. We, we, we did, we've yeah. taken a, a couple of, uh, of very, uh, oh, we're going to do that here. again later with the Steelers for sure. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's move on to, uh, the early, uh, Sunday game Eagles, the Buccaneers, uh, that I'm suiting up for, uh, for the Buccaneers to play in wide receiver uh, in this game because they have uh, they have no one else. So, and I think that that's that I will kind of start there because that's so fascinating because the the Buccaneers took this playoff run that they had last year. They were so healthy, uh, mm-hmm. they were so deep, and we're just seeing like it's very hard to sustain that year over year. And they're going into the playoffs like, and they've had injuries throughout the year, but like potentially going into the playoffs as injured as they've been, especially on that offensive side of the ball. Yeah, it's definitely concerning. I think big picture, this is another one of those games that I think is very similar. Like how does this game open? Right? Like if we've get like a, a 10 to nothing, like Buccaneers first quarter, like that's just nightmare scenario for the Eagles uh, and, and kind of see how this game starts. The Eagles can have like a long drive, get a stop or two, kind of kind of get this game to be kind of ugly too. Um, but the Eagles, as good a story as they are, and, you know, both of us were kind of on the Eagles being like a team that we thought would be better this year than, than the public coming in. I mean, this team is the NFL worst one in seven against teams with a winning record this year. They beat absolutely nobody. And I understand that they, you know, you play who you play, but uh, we haven't seen this team beat a good team like really at all. So like against the Bucks, I still think that this is a tough ask. And I think structurally, when you talk about like the, the Bucks missing all those wide receivers, I don't necessarily know if it matters here. Because no one, no team faces a lower rate of targets to wide receivers than the Eagles, anyways. Uh, teams beat them over the middle. The way the defense is structured, you know, Jonathan Gannon from the, the Met Everflus like uh, tree. It's it's going to be tight ends and running backs. And I think if Brady just wants to throw like thirty five six yard passes in this game, the Eagles are that's like the that's the structure. I think we're going to see Leonard Fournette catch a ton of passes. I think we'll see Gronk catch a ton of passes. I think we'll see Cameron Bray even be involved and catch some passes in this game. So I think that big picture, the the injuries that the Bucks have had, especially because you want explosive players on offense, and, it, and it's been whittled down. You lose AB and you lose Godwin, and you're down to just Evans and Evans and Gronk, which are good players still to have. But yeah. you know, uh, you know, it, it's been taken away, and I think we might see that catch up to them, maybe big picture. But I do think structurally what they have to bring to this fight against the Eagles does actually work really well with the way that the Eagles play defense. Yeah. And I mean, like if you need to have like a, a 15 target Gronk game like that, that is fine. Like Gronk can still handle that. Like we we've seen this year that he still is able to do that. And like, there are 
there are worse situations. And, and especially like when you're looking at what, you know, what, what the Buccaneers have done, if they have to pepper the, the tight ends and the running backs, it's not like that's something they haven't done this year. Like Fournette mm-hmm. has been uh, a very effective pass catcher uh, this year when they've needed to kind of, you know, pivot to that. Um, so uh, we'll see there. And that, that, that is a tough ask. And probably when you're like going down like the list of like a ranking pass catchers um, for the Buccaneers right now, as it stands, like Gronk and Fournette are two and three at, at the worst. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you like want to put, you can potentially maybe put Gronk at, at one if you want to, just because of what he's been able to do, you know, with, um, you know, and has, you know, a higher target share overall than, than Evans has uh, this year, because like they've, they've just been peppering Gronk and, and Gronk you know, looks like the o- older Gronk um, or, or vintage Gronk. Don't want to say, don't want to say old Gronk. Cause he doesn't look like old Gronk. Like he looks like old Gronk in, in new England. <laughs> he looks like vintage Gronk. Um, and now, uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be tough. And, and Brady, like, yeah, he made like maybe a, a couple more mistakes than than you would like think, especially like over last year. But really, like, is not going to give up uh, things. So uh, I think it's going to be real hard for you know the the Eagles to create you know a turnover or something, which is probably you know what they need right. uh, to you know, like get good field position, like have something like that. Um, and then when you look on offense, like it, I think. It's interesting because when we saw this first game, um, it was bef- it was still while teams were petrified to run against the Buccaneers, and also before the Eagles really embraced their running game. Um, so I think we're going to see that more. I wonder how much more they're going to have with you know some of those those running back runs uh, because as much as teams were scared of, to running on. Uh, the Buccaneers early in the season, like they haven't been that dominant run defense that, that we really thought like they've been good against the run, but not like not stop running against them completely. Uh, but then we've seen, you know, the, the Jalen hurts, the, the quarterback run game, uh, start a little bit. And I think that's where you could potentially get the Buccaneers a, a little bit. So, but like you said, if they, you know, uh, they have to be, you know, they're down 14. I'm not sure how many, you know, called runs that they're going to be having. So I think how the Eagles uh, can continue to do that. But I think if they, you know, keep that close, have, uh, you know, having hurts on the ground and the Eagles embracing that was such a, a turnaround moment, um, you know, for this offense. And I, that's probably where, you know, they, they hang in this game. And I think you can potentially, you know, get hurts, um, you know, moving a little bit. And I think that, that that's what would make this a fun game. Yeah, they're going to need a big kind of, you know, uh, all around like scheme game here. Uh, you know, the quarterback run game has been a huge part of their offense. We talked about it early in the season. We were like, well, what's Nick Sirianni really doing? What's the plan? Yep. Why is like Hurts not running? And then they, you know, light bulb went off. It was after this game, after these two teams played early in the season. And, and when these teams played early in the season, the Bucks led 28 to 7 at one point. I know the Eagles came back and uh, ended up covering, you know, the back door, but it was, it was 28 7 in the third quarter. Uh, if, if that's the script again, that's just a nightmare scenario for the Eagles. But running quarterbacks have given Tampa Bay trouble all year. I mean, we saw Josh Allen, you know, rush for 100 yards. So yep. the first game, Hertz had 44 yards and two touchdowns. Cam Newton had 40 yards against him. Jameis Winston, 40. You know, Justin Fields, 38. Like, it, you you can you can have that. And especially you have that, too, with a team that's going to blitz a lot, too. They, they, they're more of a zone blitzing team, the Bucs. 
instead of like an all out man. But the, when you, when you send extra defenders and you don't get there and you know, it, it just, you have less defenders afterwards uh, to, to, you know, stop a mobile quarterback. Um, and, and I'm not really worried about like the Eagles run game. If they stick with it, it the big thing yeah. is them, are they able to just stay in the game script? Uh, Cause the bucks have like, uh, you know, since week nine, like you hit down there 16th in EPA against run 15th in success rate odd per carry. And we've already seen during this stretch in the Eagles, scheme like, like scheme like they face good defenses like they they ran all over the saints right who have been the best yeah. run defense in the nfl because like the ravens it's it's just hard to stop uh, a run game when it's based on predicated on the rpo uh, quarterback run game and the eagles lead the nfl and everything across the board runs rpo runs rpo yards rpo touchdowns uh in the run game and, the, and it's just hard to stop that scheme in general you don't see it a lot not a lot of teams run it uh and it's effective and they can throw a lot of running backs at the wall like they can just, they go four deep if they want. Uh, yeah. it, it doesn't have to just be Miles Sanders. They can put in Jordan Howard. He's been effective. Boston Scott's been effective. Kenneth Gainwell's had spouts of efficiency. Um, so yeah, I, I do think as long as they can stay in the game script wise, they can run the football in this game. It's just, can you get enough stops and can you get turnovers? And that's the big thing, like you hinted at, because no one takes fewer sacks plus turnovers per game than the Bucks, and no playoff team generates more sacks plus turnovers defensively than the Eagles. They're last, they're last of all playoff teams. They're 30th in the NFL. And like you said, they're just going to need a couple takeaways in this game. They're, they're, you have to have it to pull the upset. Yeah, and I mean, to go back to one of our previous podcasts, the, the props podcast um, that, that we did uh, before the season, um, all I needed was one more sack from Brian Burns uh, to hit uh, over nine and a oh. half. Came into the game with nine, and uh, <sighs> trying to get a sack on Tom Brady is the most frustrating. Is <laughs> <laughs> the most frustrating thing. Um, but on the other side of the ball, I think you know we kind of talked about the middle of the field being you know, open to the Buccaneers. I think if the Eagles have to pass, um, I think the middle of the field is there for them a little bit. And this could be a Dallas Goddard game because Devin White is significantly worse without Levante David on the field. And I think a lot of his flaws are exposed when Levante David is not there in coverage, kind of covering over um, some of the areas where where White uh, is not good and he can't play at as downhill uh, as much. And he's like, he's a speeding bullet, man. And like when he needs to make plays in the backfield, he's there, but to get him in coverage, mm-hmm. um, that's going to be, that's really tough. Uh, and you know, when Levante David's there, like that can be his responsibility. He takes that, but without, without him, um, this, this might be a big Dallas Goddard game. Um, and I think if the, the Eagles need to, to pass, um, that can be the way they, they, you know, keep, keep it keep pace uh, a little bit there so i think that'll be uh, an interesting thing to watch um when you look at the, the playoff teams this year it's interesting to see if you were just like to go and rank all the best tight ends in the nfl all those teams made the playoffs except for the ravens like you look at the the, the tight ends that are available in the postseason are it's a really great group uh you know and i obviously am, am, am kind of orbited that because of all the work i've spent in the fantasy angle but you know we've got we've got gronk we've dawson knox had a great year hunter henry was the second on the team in targets the patriots darren wallers in the postseason we got dalton schultz george kittle a travis kelsey uh zach Ertz has been the highest targeted tight end since the cardinals traded for him uh so i mean it's it's uh the uh jack of all trades player you know kind of unlock the offense of uh, these good tight ends 
Yeah, like having that weapon like really, really matters. And, and there's like a, a lot of things that like philosophically kind of go into it. Right. And like I, I wrote, I think b- before the season when, you know, Kittle and Kelsey got their extensions, like they're making top tier tight end money, but it's like not even top 10 wide receiver money and they're getting as many targets and as many yards as some of these, you know, top tier wide receivers. So you can kind of build an offense around that. And I think like, it's something, um, uh, Deontay Lee, uh, PFF, uh, kind of tweeted the other day. I think he was doing like a Q and a, so they asked him about like the spread offense. Uh, and he said, hey, it's not dead, but I think like the small slot receiver might be like more dead. And, um, yeah, and I think like th- some of these tight ends are, are playing, you know, a bigger part teams are getting these heavier personnel, but still using them, you know, we will get, um, we'll get to a guy like Juwan Jennings, so the the big slot. But I think you know having those kind of tight ends, you can you know move around has has been a bigger part of offenses, um, you know over the years, and we're seeing that really you know impact some of these really good offenses. Um, and that's just kind of you know the some of the impact uh, we that they've had on on the game. Um, so let's let's move on to 49ers and Cowboys, which I think is going to be a, a lot of fun. I think this might be the game I'm most excited to watch. It's the one non rematch. It's the one we haven't seen. Yeah, and you know from what we've seen from these two teams, like this, this could be a lot of fun. We have you know a, a lot of you know just speed and, and misdirection on this San Francisco offense uh, going against uh, you know all of the speed and playmakers of the Dallas uh, defense and, you know, just what the 49ers uh, have been able to do over the past, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, and uh, like we've, we've seen, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo be good. And like when he's, you know, in his element of what he needs to do, like they can create the good passes. And like it, I think also, you know, you, uh, potentially, you know, work some of the linebackers of Dallas here. Um, you can, you know, and uh, like in, in my mind, like trying to think of like Trayvon Diggs sticking with Debo Samuel like that on like a, a double move. Like I, there's a big play there waiting to happen. So like, I keep like, when I looking at, you know, what this game can look like, it's just like uh, this 49ers offense has really been like a, a lot of fun over the past couple of weeks. And I think it could give the Dallas defense, like for as much as we've talked about them, you know, being good and, and fun and fast, I think it could give them a, a little bit of trouble. Yeah. I mean, this was uh, uh, the entire NFC wanted the saints in over the 49ers. Like every, everybody wanted to see them. The 49ers, the team they're trying to keep out, especially the Packers have to be uh, like absolutely tilting their faces off. Cause if the 49ers win this game, they play the Packers. And like you have, the, we have another 49ers Packers playoff scenario where like, Oh, are they just going to get run all over again? Imagine. Uh, and, they, <laughs> and they probably would like, and, which is crazy. Like they have to be absolutely tilting. Like Packers, fans, they have to be like, this could be the worst nightmare Sarah for us, but obviously the Warriors have to get past Dallas too. Um, yeah, it, it's very interesting. So I'm curious to see like from the passing tech. So it looked like, you know, again, like Garoppolo, we had talked all year about like Wentz and Grapple, Wentz and Grapple, and Wentz did it. Wentz sabotaged the season. It finally curtailed on a game where Wentz was just objectively terrible. And boy, did he! And and Grapple wow. was in that same boat though. Grapple for three quarters uh, was was rough in the Rams game, and then you know the final two minutes he had the drive of his career with the 49ers. Because uh, Debo's the one that brought them back from the grave in the third quarter. It was all Debo Samuel in the third quarter. Yeah, uh, an all run game. Uh, and you know, Grapple throws a terrible interception on the throw to Kittle where he's it's behind. Uh, Ramsey makes a really nice play, he should have stayed down in the end zone, but uh, then 
you know, the, the 49ers punt with them. They have really no choice. It was one of those things like you could, I like, but you have to be thinking the game's over, right? You punt with 157 yep. left. Uh, and you know, you're going to have to drain all your timeouts, but McVay turtles the, you know, and this is what McVay's problem has been his entire career. He turtles, uh, and the four hours fall back grapple is just an insane drive. It comes like, it was, that game was insane. The, the, the end of that game. But, uh, as it pertains to Dallas though, defensively, it's going to be really interesting. Cause you know, I wrote stuff. I was looking at just like base, the base defenses Dallas plays in and grapple is really good against cover three and then really awful against cover one. And no one runs more cover one than Dallas, but when they do go to zone, they play cover three. Uh, so it's, it's going to be like an interesting dynamic to see like kind of what plays out, you know, where, where Garoppolo generates his plays from, is it going to be when the, the Cowboys actually let their foot off the gas and Dan Quinn's playing a little more coverage, or is it going to be them kind of struggling and, and Dan Quinn can kind of get after him. But if you're running the football, it, well, that's going to, that's going to alleviate, you know, the Cowboys being able to play, you know, that cover one. So it's, it's, it's going to be interesting dynamic to see how it plays out. The Cowboys were not good against the run all season and they faced the second easiest run schedule in the NFL. So not a great spot, not a great spot, man, schematically. Yeah. And I think like that's, what Dallas has really, you know, built their defense uh, on kind of all year. They've, they've been, you know, uh, I th- they've been more multiple than I think like we would have given a uh, Dan Quinn uh, defense credit uh, for being, they have shown a lot of different things. Um, but like so much of it has been, you know, speed and getting uh, into uh, the backfield. And um, I think like with a Shanahan type of, of run scheme, I think that can take advantage of some of that uh, aggressiveness. And that's kind of like what the, you know, the, the Cowboys have been, um, you know, they've been an aggressive defense. And I think if you can kind of, you know, counter uh, a little bit uh, that that's good. What's really going to make uh, the, the 49ers um, like really dangerous again, like, but also, you know, because they play, you know, those, that one high shell so often 54% of the time, which is sixth highest rate in the league um, per sports info solutions. Uh, they play with the stack box 26% of the time, which is the first in the league. But again, like you said, it hasn't completely, um, you know, translated to great run defense. Um, they were 16th in, in run defense DVOA, second in pass defense DVOA, because that's kind of, you know, where their playmakers are. So, um, you know, just when you see like what sh- the Shanahan system might be able to, you know, scheme up and like the, the Debo Samuel run plays are like, they're just running straight run plays for, for Samuel now. And, and he's able to cut back and, and do like his thing that he usually does, like in, you know, the middle of the field, uh, he's able to make those cuts and, and make people miss, um, as a running back. And I just, what that does in a personnel structure is so good. And um, I tweeted about this the other day and I, we're going to talk about Juwan Jennings a little bit, but like when they have a body like that, who's able to do what he's been able to do, right. And been able to be good in the passing game. Cause he's picked that up over the past a couple of weeks. And then when you have Samuel and you, and you have Ayuk, uh, when those three players are on the field, um, and they've had 208 plays uh, and that's like an 11 personnel. So they can still kind of use that as a heavier personnel because like those guys are, are so big 0.24 EPA per play 0.36 EPA per drop back and 0.10 EPA uh, per rush. And those like would be the best uh, in the league rates uh, uh, across the board there. So when they're like now being able to be, you know, uh, 
shift this personnel where they can have either, you know, the 12 personnel, they can have the, um, the 22 personnel when you check is on the field. Now they can be like that type of offense from 11 personnel. Like that just gives them so many options. I think that makes them a really dangerous offense to, and nearly impossible to try to, you know, predict what they're going to be able to do. Yeah. I mean, it all is just going to come down to literally how many plays does the quarterback have to make? Can Dallas make the quarterback have to make a bunch of plays? And, you know, that's, that's what's all going to come down to. And the other side of the ball, uh, yeah. the, the flip first, it's going to have to be a Dak Prescott game. Like this, yep. like we've had, we've seen Dak have a little bit of law in the second half and have these weeks uh, where, you know, he, he, he's been, they, if you're able to pressure him, like you think like the Cardinals uh, a couple weeks ago, like if you're able to pressure Dak Prescott, uh, it's kind of thrown the Cowboys offense, like in, completely out of rhythm. And the 49ers could definitely do that. But the 49ers are another one. Their second DVOA against the run. Uh, teams have not run on them at all and haven't been able to run on them. And, you know, that's what happened in that Rams game. The, the Rams could not kill clock at all in the second half of that game. They could not sustain any drives in the second half. Uh, in the Cow- so this is going to be a big Dak Prescott win the game spot for the Cowboys. Yeah. And like, we're, we're just going to have to see him be a little more consistent. Like we, you know, talked about how good he was early in the year and then kind of, you know, had that injury hasn't completely, you know, to come back in full strength a little bit and just kind of seems like something's been, you know, a little off, not connecting on as much as we have, but Dak against, you know, a four men rush, uh, this year has been, uh, six in EPA per drop back, uh, completing 71% of his passes. And like that, that, I think that's where it's going to come here against the, the 49ers defense where, you know, they, they want, they've been, you know, we've talked about this. They, they blitz a little more with uh, under D'Amico Ryan's than they did with uh, Sala over the past couple of years. But uh, I think you're, you're still, you don't want to be too aggressive uh, against Dak, right? Cause we talked about him uh, against the bliss. Like that's, he's just going to chuck it up and those receivers are going to, you know, be able to make a play. Um, how that receiver dynamic has been is going to be interesting because, you know, Mark Cooper has been making some big plays. Uh, he kind of wrote in the worksheet that, you know, CD lamb really hasn't really been quiet. Yeah. Yeah. And like <laughs> that, and that's you know concerning, but also like he is CD lamb. So at, at any time, like you know, we could have a huge game from him because that, that potential is there. He's, you know, one of the better receivers. Uh, in Imagine the if Shanahan had CD lamb, you had both those guys. I mean, he's very much like Debo where like he, when he has the ball, like he's just like, he's so hard to tackle. Uh, yeah. The Cowboys don't give him like any freebies. Like where's like the CD lamb, like quick hitter screen or like anything. Like they don't let him do a lot of that. Uh, and it would seem very advantageous if they would incorporate more of that into their offense. Yeah. And I, I think this, <laughs> I think this kind of needs to be like a, a Kellen Moore bad game too. Mm-hmm. Like we, oh, yeah. we saw him, um, you know, er- early in the season come out with like, a a couple of plays per game. That's just like insane. And they had big plays. And then I, we haven't seen that as much over like the last stretch of the season. I think that part of like what has been like the relative struggles of, of the Dallas offense. Um, so I think we, we kind of need to see, you know, Kellen Moore, uh, pick it back up a little bit and, you know, get some of those freebies scheme ups, you know, some of those open plays, like don't put so much on Dax plate, which I think, um, has been uh, another like part of the problem, um, you know, over the past couple of weeks and, and why we've seen kind of the, the up and down nature of the Dallas offense. Um, like even in like the other stretches, like where, where they weren't, you know, playing as well, like they were close. And then we had some of the offensive explosion, uh, 
you know, in, in the last weeks of the season, but like, I think they just, they, they need to, you know, they keep that up and keep their foot on the gas. And I think that that's been a little bit of the problem here, but like, this could be like a very fun, like high paced, um, you know, uh, type of game where there's uh, big plays on both sides of the field. And that could be you know, mm-hmm. a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. This is the game kind of circling, like could like pop, like this is, this is the game that could pop. And uh, it's, it's definitely the one I'm kind of glued to on Sunday the most. Uh, and I think for a lot of reasons too, uh, like it, it, what's interesting too, is we also have two of the teams, uh, that are the most penalized teams in the NFL playing in this game. Uh, so you get some big plays and DPIs and stuff like that. Obviously everyone that watched things here remembers all the pass interference the Cowboys had some, 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 some legit, some not, but, uh, they still counted. Uh, but yeah, Dallas, uh, 31st in penalty yards per game and the 49ers are 30th. So, uh, could be some free yards too. This is, that's how you get to overs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is, uh, that probably, uh, something that, uh, we are going to be looking at here. And this I think has, has the highest over. Yeah. Looking at about mm-hmm. you know, 51, 50 and a half, depending on, on where you're looking. So, uh, that's, you know, the Vegas uh, expecting a, a fun game here too. Um, it's also one of the few that don't really, ha- doesn't really have weather concerns. Like, you know, we've got, and it happens every year we get the football because we wouldn't even talk like camp Bay is supposed to be, it's supposed to be brain there. Buffalo. We've already talked about, you know, Cincinnati is, is no like inclement weather, but it's still outdoors, you know, in Ohio uh, in mid January. And, you know, we've got Rams and Cowboys that we don't have to worry about anything. We don't worry about anything in those games. Except that depending on, I guess, the time of the year where the the weird sun uh, comes in through AT&T Stadium that, like, stops from throwing deep balls on one side of the field. Yeah, for, like, yeah, yeah. The entire half. Yeah, I've seen Warren send some tweets about, about that, too. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm not sure if that's something uh, we have to worry about uh, in this game. So um, talking about potentially the most fun game of the weekend, uh, we will quickly i guess uh talk about uh the the least fun game uh because we've we've seen this already we kind of see how this works so I, I think instead of like just talking about this game like how do the steelers win and maybe that's maybe that's how like the structure this this game because like we we saw what the chiefs did like it was what two weeks ago three weeks ago um it, it's it's hard to you know it, it's hard to tell that story to uh, to be honest because it it has to be like a like beginning of the season Chiefs game where like the fluky turnovers bounce the Steelers way, um, and you know Pittsburgh gets a, a little bit of pressure. Um, uh, they're getting short fields, and I think that's where they can you know potentially take advantage. Um, or we see the the Ben Roethlisberger like just the last game uh, of my career. I, I don't care. I'm throwing it deep every time. And they, you know, connect on some of these go balls over the the corners. You can potentially take advantage of a little bit on some of those deep passes. Like I, it's like, it's either like one of those two things. And I'm not sure how, um, how high of a probability either one of those scenarios uh, is to play out. Yeah. I'd be floored if the latter happens uh, because even if they wanted to do that, they can't pass protect long enough to do any of that. Right. <laughs> Um, and you know, it, they're the largest underdogs in the history of the wild card round. Uh, you know, and, and even in recent history, since the wild card has expanded uh, in 2002, and they just we've had one. This is the second year now where they added a seven seed. Uh, you know, these teams that have been huge dogs have not. They've they've it's gone the way we've expected. We have the one beast quake game that stands out. That's the only team 
since uh, the wild card has been expanded, that have been double digit dogs to outright win. Uh, and then, you know, six of those eight teams uh, that have been favored by double digit points have co- outright covered too. Like they've been blowout games. Uh, and then it also, this also ties into the, the scenario I laid out with the Raiders earlier, except for this game was never close. The first meeting, right? Like the Raiders game, you can say at least the Raiders hung around to the fourth quarter. This game was 36 to three until three minutes left. Like it, it, Deontay Johnson catches a touchdown and a meaningless, uh, you know, throwaway touchdown. It was 14. Oh, and at the end of the first quarter, it was 23, nothing at the half. Travis Kelsey did not play and Tyree Hill ran 20 pass routes coming off of COVID. It was just, it was, it was a slacking with basically without their two best players on offense. It's, it, it just, it, it's just very, like you said, you're going to need a special teams touchdown. You're going to need some takeaways. You're going to need some sacks. Uh, you're going to need like all these things to happen all at once, not just one. You need like all of them to happen like together. Uh, and that's just really kind of where we are. And I don't want it to be like a scenario where like we're saying, oh, like the Steelers have no shot to win and all these things, but like, it's, it's objectively hard to make the case. Like you're going to need something fluky. You're going to need like uh, an improbable kind of scenario to happen because the Steelers are by far on paper, the worst team to make the playoffs. It's not even like, it's not even like remotely close. Uh, they were 24th in the NFL points per drive. That was the worst of all playoff teams. The Houston Texans led for more offensive snaps this year than the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's they're just not they they weren't an objectively good team they 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 scold, they won some games out uh it's it's it almost sucks that the way this played out because I know like if you're a fan of the Steelers you're like oh we made the playoffs that's great but think of the way the season ended the Steelers beat the Browns at home they beat the Ravens that's like a positive note to end Ben's career on this could be a Dan Marino situation like. It, I mean, you, you had, you had like the ending, it was like, fine. Like, this is cool. Like on the way out. And now you run and have to go on the road to face a team that was, like I said, beating you by 33 points up until three minutes left. Yeah. It's not ideal for, for Pittsburgh, obviously. And like one of the other things, like we kind of, you know, how we talked about it. And I think, you know, I think Ben Roethlisberger was quoted as like, kind of sarcastically like being like, yeah, we, we have no chance. Um, but when you look at like what Kansas city's defense has been able to do, uh, they're 18th in DVOA against deep passes, but 10th against short passes. And that is where the yeah. Steelers have to live because of like all of the situation. So, um, I, we don't want to harp on this, you know, for, for too much. We're not trying to like rag on the Steelers, like right. good on them for, for making the playoffs, like for bringing that team to the playoffs and not completely collapsing, which like that, easily could have um you know good on them it's just like yeah, this could have been a four-win team like easy yeah um very much so so uh good on them and we'll talk about the chiefs next week when they're playing their next opponent so let's uh get on to uh the the monday night game which uh is a thing that we talked about so monday night playoff games fun um but actually like an, an, an interesting game to watch so at least it's that at least you know they put Steelers Chiefs on uh Sunday night for some reason but I guess at least it's not like Monday night um so here we go uh Cardinals at Rams um a divisional game that we have uh, seen twice uh two we'll say slightly inconsistent offenses but i think like even that like might be just overplaying it a a little bit and like we can uh, just kind of jump into like what these quarterbacks uh have been doing but i like also um tweeted this out uh the other day that even with uh everything matthew stafford did in that san francisco game uh the 
two interceptions, uh, five sacks. He still ended with a 0.35 EPA per dropback, which was uh, the fourth highest for any quarterback of the week. So that's that, like that is what Matthew Stafford has been. I, well, we, the first we half have, he was flawless. Like, yeah, he was flawless in the first half. And I like, and we have kind of talked about that a lot. There are there are so many big plays, um, and it's uh, like there's so many big plays, uh, and then there's like that one or two throws a game that just like really make you question what he's doing. Uh, and but so much of it has like it's either those really wacky short interceptions, um, or it's like throwing into you know double or like triple coverage uh, deep down the field. He's thrown zero interceptions on intermediate passes, which is like where a lot of quarterbacks get like baited into some of those like bad interceptions, but. Stafford has thrown zero uh, in on intermediate throws uh, this year, which is kind of insane when you consider like what he's been doing uh, this year. So I think there, there's still, you know, so much uh, upside uh, to that passing offense. Um, and then when we kind of go to the other side of the ball, like what Arizona can do, like DeAndre Hopkins is not going to be back. And I, that like, that's, that's huge. Uh, so now you have Jalen Ramsey, who's kind of going to be able to, you don't have to, and I'm not even like saying waste Jalen Ramsey on DeAndre Hopkins because obviously that wouldn't be a waste. But now you can have Ramsey play, you know, more of that the star position that he has been playing uh, over the season. You can have him more in the slot, have him closer to the ball. Um, and I think that that's uh, not by just like not having Hopkins. Obviously, that that's bad for the Arizona. But letting Ramsey now kind of like roam a little bit more, I think, opens up things for the. LA off or LA defense, like even more. And I think that's, that's really big. I think the biggest like component of this game is just how bad the Cardinals have been on defense to close the season. Yeah. We saw it again last week. I mean, they're getting absolutely decimated defensively. Like, cause a lot, everyone like can, can, can easily hone in on the Hopkins splits. Right. But like Hopkins isn't coming back. Like the, right. you're getting JJ Watt back, but like how much of a difference does this make to the way you've played football defensively the final, you know, five weeks of the season when they've been one and four, they won one of those games, uh, 30th in the NFL in scoring rate a lot per drive, 30th in touchdown rate a lot per drive. They were third in the NFL in both those categories before that. They just have to be, you know, outright better. And they've just, the past defense has been what's, what's actually like roasted them. Uh, Cause the run defense has always been kind of sporadic all year. And, you know, uh, but the, the past defense has really struggled the final five weeks of the season. And one of those games, part of the sample was when these teams played on Monday night, uh, you know, a few weeks ago when Matthew Stafford does the last game, Matthew Stafford didn't throw an interception. And <laughs> that that's the MO. If the, if the Rams play a clean game, the, this is a tough team to beat. I mean, multiple turnovers in six of their final eight games. Uh, you saw the upside, like the like I said, the last time that these teams played, and Stafford doesn't throw a pick. It's just hard to combat them. You know, they, they they're going to score thirty points if Stafford plays clean. They are. That's that's yep. that, that's how good the offense is when he protects the football. Um, and then if they do score thirty points, that's a problem for the Cardinals because. When you lose a guy like Andrew Hopkins, it's not like he was making electric plays. When you have to funnel more targets now through like Zach Ertz, who leads the team in targets without DeAndre Hopkins, like that just inherently bogs your offense down. And that's not a knock on Zach Ertz. He's doing what he can with the targets. It's just like yes, when you're right. giving a lot of targets to Zach Ertz, that's what your offense looks like. Uh, you know, and, it, and it's going to be hard for them if they don't get the takeaways uh, from Matthew Stafford uh, to really kind of, you know, be able to combat and score like in the 30s here with the, with the Rams. Yeah, that's it's going to be, uh, and that's kind of what the you know the 
the LA offense has, you know, gone before this entire season. Like if Stafford's not making bad throws and sometimes like, like I said, like even when he is, you know, making bad throws and obviously like the, the interception was, was an overtime that did, you know, uh, you know, basically end it ended the game. Um, but when, and he still finished with like one of the best, you know, quarterback weeks, uh, among, uh, in the league last week. Um, but when he's, you know, yeah, he is playing well, like it, it's very hard uh, to stop them. And when the Cardinals are coming, like we saw like how quick they were on defense kind of early in the season. Uh, and they were like playing for really like without ragging on like their corners, like playing well over um, like the talent level they had um, uh, in that secondary. Uh, and I think we kind of see, we've seen so, some of those cracks here. Uh, and I think it's going to be tough uh, against this, this Rams offense. And I, I think this is kind of just like, it's going to be how, how much can Kyler do? I like that. That kind of is how it comes down to it for, for Arizona. And we, you know, so many times during the, the season, we talked about how the Arizona offense was like, Kyler, like, please go do something. Uh, and I think that that's going to be an extreme um, at this point uh, in this game uh, because uh, they, they don't really have, you know, many other options. Um, so it's as much as, as much as Kyler can do, um, that is, you know, how far Arizona is going to go in this game. And like that potentially could be a lot, but that is, you know, a significant um, amount of pressure to put on, uh, on, on Murray's shoulders here. Uh, but I think that that's really the only way they come away with this game. Yeah. I mean, when these teams played in week 14, Murray had 380 passing yards and 60 rushing yards. And it was a game that really they weren't in, like they were hanging, like the scoreboard had them around, but like it was controlled thoroughly throughout the, you know, by the Rams, uh, you know, then they had an early turnover earlier in the game and it's like kind of shut the door. And then that was, that was kind of it. They just kind of led throughout. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just a lot to ask of Kyler right now. If you've watched the Cardinals the last month, I mean, it's, it's just, it just feels like a lot like the Ravens before, like it fell apart with Lamar Jackson. It really does feel like that with Kyler. Like it, it feels like he's just, he, the task is just so overwhelming. Like he has to do so much on his own. Uh, and it, it's really, it's just really hard. It's not to the degrees it was with Baltimore, uh, where you saw like the, the for sure bottom falling out, but it is like that. Like you can just see it, it just, their whole, all their drives are just so predicated on like how many plays like he has to make. And it's the quarterback. It falls on that, but there's just not a lot of help offensively here. Yeah. And uh, like, you know, it's uh, the discussion we've had about the Cardinals really all season. Uh, there have been some games where there like has been help and, and they've schemed up some, some passing things like really well. And then there's other times where like, it's just, you know, the Murray uh, on an Island and, and he has to uh, do something. And um, you know, when, when Kyler is playing his best, like that, it, it's really dangerous and, and he can carry a game. Um, but uh, for him to have to do that uh, against um, and that worked better when, you know, the Cardinals weren't giving up a lot of points. So now like the defense isn't playing as well. They're going to be playing a high powered offense. And it's just a, it's, it's a tough situation for the Cardinals to be in like a team that has played, incredibly well and i don't think we should like really look at um you know this the last part of the season and potentially uh a playoff loss like on the road oh, it um, will. 
Uh, right. Like we're, <laughs> we're going to look at this as like some, you know, thing that like the, the Cliff Kyler thing, like can't work. Um, and that's going to be a, a whole pro conversation, you know, yep. coming out, out of this game, but, uh, <laughs> like they've done so much good stuff, uh, this season. So, uh, like we really shouldn't do that. Um, uh, but I think like how, how close they can stay in this game is probably going to matter a lot in that. It's going to be interesting going forward if they don't win this game uh, because, you know, you obviously will have Hopkins now, uh, you know, way past the A.J. Pex. Uh, you know, you'll, what are you doing with A.J. Green? Christian Kirk's a free agent. Uh, they're going to they're going to have a lot of pieces still to kind of figure out here, you know, on this roster. You know, do they bring Zach Ertz back, who also way past the A.J. Pex? Uh, a lot of questions uh, still surrounding the outcome of this game if they don't win uh, with the Cardinals. And obviously it will just be highlighted the way they closed this year and last year. Uh, you know, do they have enough to finish? But I think circumstantially uh, what happened this year, uh, you know, just things caught up to them. There were some things they couldn't sustain. I think defensively we talked about uh, also Kyler's like deep ball early in the season, like the numbers he was producing, like that was bound to regress and all these things just kind of all came to crescendo at once at the end of the year. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, a, a lot of things that, that have happened and a lot of, you know, pieces that have played uh, a part in this, but like they still have the potential to, to be, really good. Um, so, so we'll see. Um, and I, I think there, there are some places where, you know, they can, uh, expose, um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe those D passes, you know, co- come back here because like, um, you know, Jordan Fuller going out, um, no, it was big for, for the Rams in that second half uh, against the 49ers. Um, I think the, the 49ers kind of put safeties, um, in, in a box, uh, a little bit and tried to make them make a tackle. Um, the Rams just signed Eric Weddle, uh, because they don't have uh, any depth at, at safety now with with Fuller out, um, and Eric Weddle like just turned thirty seven years old, hasn't played uh, since twenty nineteen. Um, if he I played in a play, fantasy league with Eric Weddle this year, uh, yeah, amazing. So like that, that's who's <laughs> now playing safety. Um, so uh, is like I think that that is interesting. So there is, you know, potentially a, a weakness there that Arizona can uh, can take advantage of. But uh, again, a, a lot of this, you know, does favor the Rams, and and that's you know why they're uh, playing home, why they are favored in, in this game, and like that's just kind of the, the reality of it. But I, I think this is, you know, it still gives the the Cardinals a uh, potentially um, the the potential to to make this close and interesting. Let's see this. We have to pick one upset uh, this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, 49ers, I think is a chalk answer, uh, yeah. weather could be, you know, I, I honestly say like, I actually would not be surprised the way this, especially this NFL season has gone. The only, um, the only team winning that would be an outright surprise to me would be the, the Steelers. I, I mean, if you told me the Raiders won, like I would believe it. If you told me even the Eagles won, I, I can draw that scenario. The only team I believe that would be an outright, like what I would even define as like an outright, like true upset would be the Steelers. Uh, all these other games, I can absolutely see the underdog winning. Which it makes it uh, potentially the very fun uh, wildcard weekend, which we don't always get. Um, sometimes these games uh, get really out of hand. I think there's you know a potential for that too. But uh, the fact that we can see some of these games being close uh, when we kind of play out the scenarios. Uh, watch all the, watch all just the favorites win now. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that I, that's on the table too. Which uh, either way, I think that that makes it a fun, uh, a fun weekend to uh, to pay attention to. Um, and then we get to like next weekend, which is is really like the 
the prime, oh, yeah. you know, playoff weekend. So um, I will but, say though, 49ers Packers, like the, that scenario playing out would be amazing again. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, the, the discourse going into that game will be uh, a whole lot of fun. So um, we're going to uh, end the show here. Uh, a reminder, you can find all of our work on sharpfootballanalysis.com. Rich still putting out a playoff version uh, of the worksheet, which really goes in depth into you know, everybody. So uh, be reading that. Uh, you can also listen to our, our betting podcast with Ryan McChrystal, which is on this feed. Um, so you can find Rich on Twitter at Ward Reeves. You can find me on Twitter at Zampazuda. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.